just think about those first four words. The, the greatest opening line, this story ever told, in the beginning, God. And why is that so good? Because see, in the Genesis, everything beginnings. These four words set the stage, the tone, the, the premise, the promise of the entire book. The promise after promise, amazing story, all begins with words, in the beginning, God. You know, if you think about this, if you can understand and believe these four words, that in the beginning, God, which really has inherently, what does it mean? That God has no beginning and no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, we learn later on in the story. But in the beginning, when all things that we know began, God, God was there already. Because he has no beginning or end. He has no origin story, so to speak. We cannot miss or skip that very beginning, those first four words, because it does set the tone and the premise and the beginnings of all the promises that we claim in the Lord Jesus. We we need Genesis to understand the rest of the story, especially the ending. You know, I'm one of those moviegoers where I like to get there early. Do you do that? I mean, I like to I like to go early. I mean, it's an event for me. I, I don't know. I love it. It's the big screen. It's the the popcorn. It's it's the, the when the lights go down. Right. It's still a thing for me, and I love to get there early. You, you get your snacks or whatever. You get there. You get the seat you want right in the middle, so it's not too too low or too high up. Right and. I love to see the previews. I want to see what movies are coming out. What are some other great stories that are going to be told? I want to get my money's worth. What is it, 15 bucks now or something for a movie? I want to see all those previews. I'll see the commercials. I'll look at all of it. But see, I also especially do not want to miss the beginning, right? You don't want to miss the beginning. Did you ever walk in late to a movie, even five, ten minutes late, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? A lot happens in those first few minutes. You know, um, I used to go to the movies with a friend of mine, and uh, he was notorious for being late, especially going to the movies. He didn't see the value of it. And, you know, we would go together, and, and inevitably he would make me late, and I would hate it, and so I've never been to a movie with him since. Why? Because, I, I mean, he just, it didn't matter to him. He'd walk in a few minutes late, no big deal. It's just a movie. But see, I want to know what's happened. Why? If you don't see the beginning, there's a very good chance you'll be lost to the rest of it. You have a lot of catching up to do. Especially when you get to the end, lots of great stories. At the very end, they tie into how it started. Do you know the Bible is that way too? I mean, the Bible starts where everything is good and perfect and God creating in Genesis. And you look to the end of the Bible in Revelation and what's happening. And Jesus is saying, look, I make all things new. Isn't that right? He's making all things new. That's why we say that we're studying Genesis. It's the foundation of it all because the future begins here. If you want to know how it all ends, you have to see how it begins. Does that make sense? And so that's why we are, we are taking the time to study this amazing book because it lays out the foundation 
for the beginning of all things. But especially, and here's our our focus or our theme, our word this morning, especially Genesis is the beginning of hope. We don't always see it that way. But Genesis is the origin and the beginning of hope. You know, that's our, our theme this year. Remember that? Our theme for 2020 is very simply a clear vision of hope, 2020. It comes from the First Peter 3.15 verse that basically says that we are to put the Lord as Master, a Lord over our hearts, put Jesus Christ over Lord of our hearts, and always be ready to give an account to others of the hope that is within you. See, it is about hope. But you know, I was thinking recently, Boy, what a theme. I mean, I, you know, I think the Lord gave me this theme the end of last year, and we introduced it in January. The, the theme of 2020 is a clear vision of hope. How are we doing on that theme so far? Do we fear like, feel like we have had a clear vision of anything this year? It's almost like there has been anything but clarity in our world and our lives. Doesn't it kind of seem like that? But here's the key. The theme is not just a clear vision, because we could all say, boy, that was, a, that was an epic failure. We haven't had a clear vision about anything. There's so much that's been clouding our vision and, and being a fog around us, all of the, the concerns and the chaos and, and the turmoil in the world around us and perhaps even in our own lives. But see, that's not our theme, just a clear vision. Our theme for this year at Trinity is a clear vision of hope. See, because hope cuts through. The hope of the believer cuts through any chaos or confusion that the world and our enemy can throw at us. Can we say amen to that? See, we are people of hope because of Jesus Christ. But it all begins here. In the beginning, God. See, in the beginning, God. It all starts with God. And and just with those those few words, those first four words, we, we set the stage for the rest of the story, including this idea of hope. Perhaps this year has brought anything but... Um, we have a, a big calendar in the office on the door for uh, the rest of the year. It's a year-long calendar. And, and you know what? We just put a big question mark on it. We didn't find any dates yet. Because it was kind of what we were thinking, like, boy, that's what it seems like. The end of this year, the beginning of next year, it just kind of seems like, you know what? We very well could have just written the word hope, right? Could have just said hope. Because we know for sure, no matter what else happens in our lives, that there is always hope. Because the hope we have in God cuts through all of that. We need to see clearly, have vision, have a hope. I'll share a little bit of a, a, a sad story, but it kind of, it, it kind of, you know, helps us to, to to understand this. And so we have a, a a dog. Many of you have pets, right? We have a dog. Her name is Java, like um, coffee. Java. We we love coffee, and so we named her Java. And she's got the color uh, of coffee, right? Sort of a darkish uh, brown and black. And, and uh, we have loved her for a long time, and she, in just a couple of months, she is going to be 15. So she is our old lady. 
And just like all of us, when we experience the aging process, she is showing her signs of age. And we think she's doing it gracefully, but she's got some arthritis, like many of us do. It's hard for her to walk and get up and down the stairs. And, um, you know, she doesn't eat or drink as much, but she's still good. The vet says she's still overall good and healthy, you know, uh, relatively speaking. But she also has issues with her hearing and her eyesight. And again, that's typical. We get older, the prescription in our glasses changes. It gets a little stronger every time. But she has some problems with her eyesight. And you know, the issue for that is it makes her more anxious because she can't see like she used to. And think about it, especially for a dog who wants to protect her family, right? Protect us. Boy, so much of her confidence, so much of what she loves to do as a dog is based upon her eyesight. But she just can't see as well as she used to. Sometimes she'll go outside and bark at nothing. Sometimes it's the telephone pole right outside our house. Maybe it looks like a person sometimes, right? But you can laugh a little, but here's the thing. Her eyesight, which is so important, is making it hard for her to be aware of her surroundings, right? Her depth perception is off because her eyesight is failing. She gets a little more anxious and skittish when maybe you go to touch her or something is that she's not familiar with happens and it's not normal for a dog to do that, but it's because her eyesight is going. See, it's because she is lacking that vision she used to have, but see it spiritually, it can be the same for us, church, that when we lack the vision, when our eyesight, when our eyes are not set on God himself, what happens is we become more anxious about the things around us, don't we? Our surroundings, our environment, our circumstances, things in life that we experience every day can become a little more confusion, uh, confusing, a little more um, cloudy, Because we can't see very well. That's why it's so important that we maintain a clear vision of hope. And the book of Genesis gives us the foundation of hope. If you're going to look and have a vision for something, you better have a firm and solid foundation. Or else what you're looking at is always going to be shifting and moving. You'll never be able to focus. See, but... God has not called us to live with that spirit of fear, right? But, but we can have that spirit of love, that spirit of a sound mind, that spirit of having a clear vision for who God is and who he has called us to be. In the book of Genesis, and today I just I want to give you a brief overview, because next week we're really going to start into chapter 1. I'll provide the outline that we're going to use for the entire book to kind of keep us on track and what it's going to look like and introduce some of the, the major themes and how we're going to walk through that. Um, the, the four main events and the four main people of Genesis that kind of set the stage for the rest of the story. But today I just wanted to briefly look at this word hope and how it comes about in Genesis because it all ties in to our theme this year is that theme of having a clear vision of hope. So in the book of Genesis, we learn, of course, that God, right, in the beginning, God, but God created. When he created, he saw it and said, 
good. When he created us and saw humankind, he said it was very good. And then very quickly after that, there was the promise of a redeemer because of sin. I mean, just in the first few chapters, in the first three chapters of Genesis, we're going to see so much happen, so many foundations being laid. The, the perfection of God, the introduction of sin that taints it all, and then God's promise for a remedy, a rescue, a redemption from that sin in a redeemer. And what a great promise that is. It's a great promise that he's a creator. It's a great promise that his creation, including us, is good. It's a great promise that he will redeem and rescue his all of his creation from the, the tainting of sin. See, all the world's problems come from sin. Relationships, um, issues in nature, government, nations at war. Everything is laid out there. We see the beginning. Uh, of marriage we see the beginnings of civil government we see we see the beginnings of life its origins in this amazing opening book to the story of scripture but the promise of a redeemer gives us the greatest hope right from the beginning of the story to cut through all of the problems caused by sin there is hope i want to briefly give you five things five stories Five verses from the book of Genesis as sort of an overview of how it is that over and over again, as Genesis tells the beginning of the story and lays all these foundations, we see hope coming through. We see hope cutting through all of the issues and all of the problems that um, the world and mankind has, um, has experienced because of sin. So... Five brief things from the book of Genesis as an overview, kind of flying over this book to look at this idea of hope begins in Genesis. The first one we, we looked at it, Genesis 1-1, right? The first four words, in the beginning, God. There is the greatest hope because with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? And with God, we have hope. Because if God has created the heavens and the earth and he is our creator, then we can have hope. We can have hope because God is the one who did it all. The story is about God. The story is um, reveals to us God in all of his creation, in all of his glory. He reveals himself to us. You realize that? The Bible, the very word of God, is God's special revelation to us his people. See, we, we call this in theological terms the general revelation is God revealing himself through nature, his creation, but his very special revelation to us is his very word, the word of God. And so he reveals himself to us as creator. In the beginning, God, we are also uh, told that because of this, even these first four words, that God didn't have, did not have a beginning or an end. We also see, in the, as chapter 1 progresses, that God is good and what he creates is good. And in that alone, we should have hope because God is good. If you want to skip to the end of the story, we do that a lot, right? You ever have to read a book for school and you're just like, I'm not reading 500 pages by the end of the week. So you skip to the end. You skip to the end or you read your cliff notes, or your spark notes, whatever. This is how the story ends. 
it ends by God creating all things good again. He restores all things, see? Because it was perfect and it ends being perfect. And the whole story in between, between Genesis and Revelation, is about God and his relationship with his people and God being a God of redemption and restoration and what that looks like for us. What an amazing story. But the story of hope from Scripture starts with, in the beginning, God. But then, how about in Genesis 3? Genesis 3.15, because we know the story, right? Can't fill in all the details here, but we know that in God's perfection, right, even in Adam and Eve, in man and woman, there is sin because there is disobedience. And so God's perfection is tainted because he gave free will. He gave that choice and that ability for Adam and Eve to choose, would they eat of the fruit of the tree? And they chose to. So sin enters the story. But right away, God gives, here it is, a promise of hope, church. He does not let that linger at all. There is a promise of hope. Genesis 3.15, right after what we call the fall, the fall of humankind to sin and disobedience against God and His perfect, His, His perfect creation, we see God says in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike His heel. Who is He talking to? Do you remember? He's talking to the serpent, to, to Satan, to the enemy of God. And he's, what is He saying in this verse? It's the very first verse we have in scripture about the promise of a redeemer of redemption from sin and he says you're going to strike at his heel but he the promised redeemer when he comes in the fullness of time he will crush your head well which is a more damaging blow a strike to the heel or the crush to the head see that means the redeemer wins and so right there in genesis 3:15, again there is the hope seemed to be lost because of the fall. God brings about hope and says, Someday I will restore all of this. And it will be by redeemer. And how about Genesis 9? If you've read through Genesis, maybe you remember um, the big story, what's the big theme, and the, the character that we see, and the great promise from Genesis 9. It no. Remember what happens with Noah and the flood. And you remember. Genesis 9, verses 12 and 13. The promise, again, the promise to continue to bring hope to God's creation and to His people. What does God say to Noah? He says, and God said, this is the sign of the covenant, like a promise, I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. And for who? All generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. You see that? There was judgment for sin. It was called the flood. You had creation, you had the fall, and then you had the flood, see? But what does God say? He says, I promise. I make a covenant with you now. And for all generations to come, I have set the rainbow, my rainbow, he says, in the clouds. And it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So yes, there is sin, but there's going to be a redeemer. And yes, there is judgment for disobedience. And there is the flood that wipes up everybody except for Noah and his family. 
But God says, I will not bring judgment like that again. It's a promise. Again, there is promise and then there is hope. Number four, how about, then we go a little bit further. We're at Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant. Remember Abraham? God calls this guy Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans. And he says, basically, you're going to be the beginning of this new people, the beginning of the Hebrews. He didn't even know what that meant yet, Abraham, right? You remember, God calls Abraham, doesn't even tell him really all the details. He just says, go, right? And Abraham walks in faith. We love that part of the story because so much of Genesis and so much of the rest of the Bible we see really, uh, uh, you know, comes from this great covenant, this great relationship between God and his chosen man, Abraham. And he makes a covenant with him. We find it in Genesis 12, the first three verses, and then it's ratified later in Genesis 15. And we, we see it mentioned and, and aspects of it mentioned in other chapters. But it begins here in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, before his name was even Abraham, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will. He didn't tell him the land, didn't, didn't give him a map or directions yet. He just said, I'll show you the way. You just go. And here's what he says. I will make you into a great. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Is that something like I promise to you? Isn't it? And so again, there is hope. God is going to, he's going to bring restoration. He's going to bring blessings to the world through this man, Abraham and all of his descendants. He again, God is making a promise because he is a God of hope. We have this hope in God. These promises because Genesis 1-1 says he created that God in the beginning was God, right? That he promised a redeemer in Genesis 3. He, he promised a covenant with Noah and the sign being the, the rainbow in Genesis 9. In Genesis 12 and then later in 15 when he ratifies it, the Abrahamic covenant. The promise to all of the people through Abraham. But then finally, we end with this one about Joseph? Now we're skipping to the end of Genesis, right? In Genesis 50, we see Joseph. Now, we I think most of us are familiar somewhat with the story of Joseph. But remember, one of the sons of Jacob, right? And, and he is sold into slavery by his brothers. And, and they kind of left him for dead, sold, sold him into slavery. We remember what happens with Joseph, right? When he, he gets, he gets um, to Egypt because of that, because they sold him into slavery. And he becomes, he rises up over years to become what? The second in command next to Pharaoh in Egypt. And in the end, he is able to save his father, his brothers, his family from famine. Because what is the famous line that we love from Joseph? It's in uh, Genesis 50 verse 20. He's talking to his family. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I think a lot of us remember the first part of that amazing verse. What, what you meant to do to harm me, God meant for good. God will use for good. But what is that good, church? 
to accomplish what is now being done, what? The saving of many lives. And that was because they were being saved from famine. He was able to bring his family into Egypt. But spiritually speaking, is this not a promise of hope? Through Joseph, a descendant, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, that God is the God of hope. That there is a promise there for us too. It's a wonderful promise for us, church, that, you know, Genesis is... Genesis lays out the foundations of all things. But, you know, we as the church, as believers, we are the people of hope. We have hope because there was promised in Genesis 3 a Redeemer. We have hope because over and over again we see in Genesis promises of God that gives us hope. God is a promise keeper. And I hope you believe that. But then we see with Joseph... He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And what was the good? It was the saving of many lives. See, that's our hope in Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus and none other. And that is the great hope, the great hope that we have. We also know that we have great hope in the fact that our Savior, the one who brought us back to God, reconciled us to God through his shed blood on the cross, We believe that he will return one day for us. That is called our blessed hope. But until that day, church, we are really the people of hope. Because we have a story to tell, a story filled with hope. And it gives us a clear vision. The vision that we can have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the clearest vision ever. We have as our message, as the story of Scripture, the story for us to tell, and our individual salvation story, it is a message of hope that the world desperately needs. Do you believe that? And it's the only message of hope that will ever bring salvation to the people of this world. People can look for hope and look promise in many different things, but they'll never find it. It'll never be lasting. Because the only true and everlasting hope for this world, for the people that we come in contact with every day, for our family members that yet know Jesus as Savior, the only hope is that message of the gospel. It's the hope in Jesus Christ. He's the only hope for the world. And see, Genesis, right from the very beginning, it sets a pattern of And it gives us a clear vision. A clear vision that we have hope within us. And as it says in 1 Peter 3.15, we should always be ready to give an account of that hope that is within us. It's not a hope church that lies out there somewhere. It's a church that is within us. In some version it says the, the, the hope that we possess. You possess that hope? That hope is only found in Jesus Christ. And if you don't, you look to Jesus now. But what is it that you're waiting for? Jesus calls you to himself. The scriptures make it so clear, the way of salvation that we believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It means that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he did what he said he was going to do on the cross. He came back to life. You believe in that Jesus, the Jesus who is God, but then you also trust it. You trust that for your everlasting salvation.
that says simply believe. You don't have to do a lot of good things. Those things come after salvation. We do good for God in obedience to Him, but we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot muster up enough hope in this life to be reconciled with God. It's only through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's a promise that's made right at the beginning of our story, church, that one day there'd be a Redeemer, and that Redeemer was Jesus. He still is our Redeemer, our Rescuer from the effects of sin. And so, church, Genesis is going to be an amazing journey. We're going to see the foundations and the beginnings of everything. And again, you want to know what's going to happen in the future? The future begins here. But remember this, our future is a future of hope. And it's a future that the world desperately wants to learn about. So let's go and tell them.